get a few of those uh, blood pools and it forms a clot. Yeah, a clot. <laughs> you mean a stroke? You just feel it in your thighs moving towards your heart. <laughs> just me. All the time. I did think I was having a heart attack yesterday when I was eating my lunch in my car. And I was like, how do you ever know? <laughs> did you, Liz, <laughs> honestly, did you just keep on eating? <laughs> <laughs> no, I stopped. It was a lot of pain. And then I was like, how do I know if this is heart attack pain or just like body pain? It's probably just acid indigestion. That stuff can hurt real bad sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Tumor Dome. <laughs> no! Where we talk about heart attacks and blood clots. Because writing is stressing us out, right? That's that's why we're getting all these problems. Absolutely. I am chewing 10 baby aspirin right now to make sure I don't die during this cast. (laughs) Okay, we are into nano right now. We're at what, day seven? Seven, yes. Yeah, and we should be at like 1,667 words, which I don't think any of us are at. What? You just just said the daily count. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I wish we only had to be at (laughs) 1,000. We're supposed to be at 10,000 or 11,667 words by today. Oh, wait, we didn't introduce ourselves. Oh, I'm Daryl. I'm Liz. And I'm Ian, and I'm at 7,500 words. Oh, wow, you're ahead of me. I'm at 7,306. And uh, I was the one that I completed Nano last year. So I'm like at a great pace of uh, 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 4,000 words. <laughs> Oh no! Like how the mighty have fallen. Yeah, I got off on like I started late, and also I've been struggling with because this book isn't. I feel like a book that I can do. I'll get into it later. (laughs) I've been struggling. (laughs) You should. You should be honest too. Yeah, you should be honest about what really happened. That I wasn't writing it. (laughs) No, you're. Dude, you're stupid. Your magic stick that you swing and you and you're. Making and you're every- taking down Jackie. Yeah, and you're making everyone dizzy and healing everyone for like 10 hit points. I've been playing a lot of Monster Hunter instead of actually writing. That's a good point. <laughs> there it is. Yes, that's the truth. So what are all of our books about? Like, what have we been writing? Me, my book is called, or titled, I Was My Stalker. And it's about a girl that believes that the boy that's stalking her is her just in another body. And mine is called Millennium for the Macabre. And it's about this every thousand years in this spooky place, an other is born. And they basically have to go out on a quest to find out where they belong. Mine is my uh, my fantasy series um, Lore Bible, which I have tentatively titled Before the Before. And you know what? I didn't. Oh, I like okay. That. No, we do not laugh at other people's books. <laughs> I was waiting for jokes because of your cover. What is it? Tales of. <laughs> Tales of Wow or whatever. <laughs> wow fables. Yeah. And so far, I've just done a bunch of stuff that I'm never even going to talk about in a book. So it's been great. Mm. So, did we hit our short term goals last week? My short term goal was to finish. Either January or February chapters or like acts in my book, and I did not do either. Instead, I wrote in December. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did finish December. I have two days to go. Uh, my short term goal was to have my other make it to the first town, which is 
called Sallow, and they're like right outside it. Oh. (laughs) I feel like it counts. So you're like standing right before the finish line. You're like, I just need to take a step over. Yeah, like basically if I continue writing after this cast, then I'll need it. That's not bad. I do not remember my goal from last week, <laughs> so we'll, we will say I hit it. I don't feel like you even made a goal. No, that, I remember what it was. You said, I want to be on track with like to make the 50,000, so you did not hit it. You do not pass <laughs> I did go. not. No, no, no. We all failed. First week. <laughs> no, it's a hey. good Unlike last time we did the cast, I think I'm actually going to stick with it this time, though. Okay. I'm motivated. That's good. good. All right. So we're going to get into now what we wrote about. And uh, my book, I Was My Stalker, is split up into 10 different months that each have subsections of different days throughout the month. For instance, like September has five days that are written about from the perspective of my main character, Natalie. And then there's like five days within October and then like six within November. And I wanted to finish January and February's because there's interesting things that happened during those and I did not do that. Instead, I went back to December because <laughs> this book is, I completed it for Nano of 2015 and I stopped writing right about at December. I completed one day of December and then I jumped around until I hit 50,000. So I went back to December to continue the book to get it so I can finish and have a finished first draft by the end of this month. And I was just filling out days that happened there. And by filling out, I mean, it's very like kind of mundane things when you think about it. One day I wrote about it's that my main character, Natalie, does homework at a dinner table with her sister, Kay. And then another day is that she talks to Lauren, this girl that she wants to hang out with after school, but does not hang out with because they don't have similar interests. It's just like real life. Yes. And then she had Christmas with her family And she thought about what Christmas was like as Hayden, the boy that's stalking her. And that is actually all I wrote. (laughs) Or just like those three events. Christmas is fun to write. So you said you wrote uh, a bunch of the stuff in 2015? Yes, a bunch. I wrote the 50,000 in 2015. When you reread that, did it hold up? Um, It's like, for me, it's fine, but I need this book to be better than fine, I think. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it it's hard because it's like, it's okay, but it's not like something where I'm like, I don't feel like it's as gripping as it needs to be. Did you do an editing pass or are you saving that until you actually finish I'm saving it? that until, because I don't even know, like I want to get all these events down and have like the whole idea in my head before I start working on what I should be keeping in and out. Like I don't want to start editing things oh. out until I'm like, this is important. This does come up later. Like there's another boy that kind of like that hits on her quite a bit. And it's like, do I leave this guy in or out? And it depends on what I'm going to do with him later in the book. Sure. Yeah. Also probably depends on how long the book ends up being. That too. Like that is something that I'm I'm trying to be cognizant of being. Because right now it's at like 67,000. Um, and again, like I'm on December. And then I got to go through January, February, March, April, May. And then June has two days, so that's like half a month. But that's a lot more left to write. Yeah. And so far, my book's just been very, um, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Did did you get back into the swing of writing it easily? Kind of. I've been trying to be cognizant because this is like the strange thing you have to think about when you're writing is 
This book is a lot of single sentences, line after line after line. Like, it's like, oh, I went here. And it's like, why would you do this? Or like, it's like if you, you picture dialogue that's like line, like someone speaks and someone speaks and someone speaks. Natalie has a way of speaking that is very conducive to that. And I've been trying to mentally adjust myself and knock it off, like to stop doing it wherever I can, because I realized that is actually making the book longer. Is if it's like oh. you open a page, yeah, and it's just single lines. Yeah. It's like that means you have another page to do. Like because she's very like I would say she speaks very naturally in that manner. It's been difficult to go back through and try and like knock it off and try and fit things together. Because I feel like it makes less of an impact unless it's given its own line. Like the yep. sentence. Yeah. Yeah, so she's been tr- like I've been trying to write her more as like thinking this book is written in first person present, which is why I like constantly refer to it as she. Yeah, I, w- I was about to ask. Yeah, so it's like when I think of when I'm writing, I'm writing in her headspace, <laughs> and she, I've been trying to make her a lot more like focus on prose rather than maybe like reactions and stuff. Like she needs to be describing things is what I've been trying to do more of, or I've been trying to like have it. I don't know, find interesting ways for her to say this stuff rather than they walk over to me and hand me a letter. Like, I've been trying to think about, like, more interesting ways to say that same sentence, which has been difficult and which is why this has been, like, taking a while. Because when I first did this back in 2015, that's all I was doing. It's just like, I wasn't even thinking about that. I was just, like, just trying to find her voice. And now that I kind of know her voice, now it's like, now I have to reframe it to be more interesting than just flat. Yeah. Yeah. So it's probably going to be a lot of editing of what you wrote in 2015. Uh, eventually. I'm, right now I'm trying not to go into editing mode, which can be difficult because like one of my things is like I'm trying to finish the book more than I'm trying to finish Nano, but there's going to be so much writing involved here that I kind of need to finish Nano. Like hitting that 50,000 is kind of valuable because I should be done by the book as soon as I get there is what I'm thinking. But the thing is, I don't want to write just like garbage that I'm going to delete later. And with that mindset in mind, rather than I need to finish Nano, like I was doing with like uh, last year with the long day, I have a lot of parts where I'm where I have to sit there and stare at it and be like, should I do this? Like when she was going to go hang out and talking with her friend Lauren, who she's like, oh, I want to hang out with you. And Lauren's like a cool like rebel punk girl. And I was trying to figure out whether or not they should go do something together. Like I was going to have them go ice skating. And then they're going to have a moment where Natalie's like, this is fun. But then Lauren's like, this isn't like that fun. And she gets the vibe that Lauren doesn't want to do this. And then I was like, do I need to spend all this time writing out them like describing the ice skating ring, talking about like Natalie's memories with going with her friend Gigi there? Or can I just have... Natalie say like do you want to do this and then Lauren makes a face and that immediately describes oh yeah the, yeah this, and there's been a lot of moments like that where like can I simplify this or do I want to extend it out and give it its own moment yeah like how important is it yeah and then I also like I'm trying to figure out whether or not to shuffle this stuff around two other days or if they fit here like early on when uh, Natalie sits down and does homework with her sister. I was trying to figure out whether or not I want to do this now or fit it into a later date. And I didn't really have a place to fit it into a later date. Even though right now, like December is pretty full on words. Every month is going to be around 10 or 11,000 words. And right now I'm at 9,500. I have two days left to write and each day is like 2,000 words. So I'm like, okay, I got to finish up with December. Like I, I, I need this month to close and I need to move on. 
But I really wanted to have her doing homework with her sister because to me, what that scene like illustrates is because Natalie's sitting down and she's working and then her sister makes fun of her for working because she doesn't do homework until she gets yelled at by her mom. And then Natalie like sasses back at her and she's trying to think about both the homework and what she should because right now she's trying to write a letter to Hayden to tell him to stop being a stalker and stop being a creep. And she doesn't know what to do. And she's like so wrapped up in this that she hasn't noticed that her sister also puts down her bag and sits down to do homework with her. And for me, that's an important scene because I need to be building that Kay trusts Natalie, even though for most of this book, Natalie is kind of garbage to her. Like Kay looks up to Natalie and wants to do what her, her older sister does. I was going to say, I can see your problem because that sounds like it's an important scene for your book and you need to have it early enough that it starts to build like the relationships and characters, yes. but also you need to worry about the, I guess, like the cadence of each month. So you can't just shove it in a month that's already has a bunch of other like boring, talky, nothing happening, right? Yes. And it needs to like, it needs to come kind of early on while Natalie is still in a like, she's not being consumed by Hayden as much yet. And like this, this worked out so perfectly because earlier on she mentions during that day that she's worried about like report cards. So it flows naturally into, oh, she should do homework. And then, oh, her sister will do homework with her. Yeah. 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 And so there's a lot of that stuff where I'm like, there's, there's one other scene where I was like, do I want to do this now? That's all right. I'm trying to figure out whether or not to axe one of my days where Natalie goes shop like after Christmas. She wants to go and return an earring that her mother bought her because she doesn't like that specific type of earring. And so I want her to go with her friends. And then I want to illustrate a couple things like dynamics between how she treats her friends and how her friends also act. And I'm struggling whether or not to save that maybe for later or not. (laughs) I think you, you would have to do it like any, I don't know, like any good horror movie or any good movie where there actually is a stalker, which is... You can still keep like mundane everyday things as it goes along, but as it gets closer and closer to, you know, the climax or whatever the big event is, mm-hmm. uh, like those mundane things are like, they're not occupying her mind like they used to, you know? And so like all of her friends, you know, they're all doing their own thing. That's a good point is that I could do something or I could I could also have her like go shopping later on and then illustrate how this isn't like... I don't know, because I feel like I want to establish a base and have her, like, go shopping now, and then near the end of the book, she'll go shopping and can see how, like, complete, how different the two mindsets of her are. Sure, like, almost it seems super, like, empty when she's doing it then, like... Yeah, something. It's hard, too, because, like, a lot of other days have something I need to hit, but I can always squeeze something in there. Like, Christmas with Natalie, originally I just wanted her to just describe what Christmas is like with her family, like, what she bought her parents what her parents bought her, and then, like, what they do on Christmas. Like, kind of give the vibe of that. And I was able to, like, I was so proud of myself. I I had to think about it in the shower. I was like, wait, I can do this? As I <laughs> wove in when she's laying down on the couch that she starts to think about what it was like being Hayden in Christmas. And then I immediately create that contrast of how Hayden's home life is terrible and he doesn't trust his family, whereas her life is really nice and she trusts her family. Yeah. Yeah. And that was one of those things where it's like, oh, this is cool, because I, I like leaving enough wiggle room to, if I need to expand on something like that. But then I, I think about, like, because I feel like her going shopping with her friends would be a full day, and I don't have a full day left 
to do anything. Wait, I do have one day, I think, in January. I'll have to think about whether or not I want to use it there or that. And then the last day in December is I have to have her go to a New Year's party. So it's like, maybe I could do, like, friend stuff during then, but uh, we'll see. I mean, wouldn't is she not going to the party with her friends? She's going to the party with her friends, but the boy she likes isn't going to be there. And so that's why I was going to use that to kind of describe, to to paint more of a comparison to how she gets very kind of, like, aggressive if she's not getting what she wants. Kind of similar to Hayden, where it's like, you let this stuff fester in you, and it, it just eats at your heart. Oh, okay. Which is like, again, like, maybe I could wrap up her acting normally with her friends in there, and then have it slowly transform into her being consumed by the lack of Hayden. I mean, the lack of Jake <laughs> not being there, as she's slowly, like, her similarities with Hayden are becoming more vivid. Yeah. And this is, this is my entire book has been constantly <laughs> like this, where I'm like, all right, what do I, what am I trying to say with this day? Can I say it in fewer words? And is this like, I'm trying, I have to both draw parallels to Hayden with her and do not draw parallels yet until they start getting closer and closer together. Is, uh, is one of the things that you're going to get across in your book is as time goes along, like more and more of maybe like the the overtly bad things in the guy start to come out in her personality so like so like in the yes. beginning like she's kind of like oh you know that's just what's her name Haley natalie natalie Haley. <laughs> did i just combine the two yeah okay yeah. um it's not that bad when, whenever i refer to the two of them as a single like what that entity likes i call them the stalker oh Jeez, I thought you were gonna say Haley as well. I was like, oh, oh no. cool. <laughs> it's, it's like their celebrity in love name. <laughs> um, but so in the beginning of the book, all of her friends are just like, oh, you know, Natalie, she can be funny sometimes, ha ha ha. But by, by the end of the book, they're like, Natalie, you're like messed up. You know, we never thought this was that big of a deal, but you keep doing this stuff. Yeah, yeah, and that is definitely like something I want to hone in on. Where at the beginning, it's like, you're very, like, I think they, like, refer to it as forceful. Uh-huh. Yeah. Awesome. And it's like, I, because I, in the beginning, it's like, ha, like, she knows what she wants. And then later on, it's like, oh, no. <laughs> but, but it's hard, too, because, like, because it's a high school setting and a big part of my story, I, I'm, I'm taking up so much time on this podcast. <laughs> a, a right, you're you're working st- through stuff, man. <laughs> you're so torn. A big part of my story is the Ring of Gyges. And the Ring of Gyges is this philosophical like conundrum where if you could put on a ring that made you invisible, would you do terrible things? So basically, if you could do something and people wouldn't know it was you, you that did it, would you get away with it? Because at least to me, a lot of people that do this stalking stuff do it because they're not getting caught. Although, you know, they can't get caught and then they'll continue to do it and stuff, which brings up like a whole different question of like, what is their moral obligation when they get caught? But the idea of like, could you could you like take money from someone and you'd get away with it? Like, would you do that? So you're saying it's almost less the act and more the the thrill of not getting caught? Not the thrill. No, because I don't focus on, I think, the thrill of not getting caught in my story. I think my thing is, like, Natalie does terrible things in this book because she can get away with it. Just like Hayden does, but he gets caught by it. Or at least, like, he lets his conscience eat at him to the point that he kills himself. Whereas, like, Natalie needs to get worse in this book to the point where, like, her friends are like, you need to stop. But at the end of the day, like, at the end of this book, she's still kind of approved of by everyone around her. Like, they don't like it, but they're not going to stop being friends with her 
because like it, it's showing that she can get away with it kind of a thing yeah yeah which is why i gotta be like i i have to be careful in how i want to arrange how her f- friends um confront her because at least how this story is going at the end of it they still love her even though she like hasn't changed which is the main problem i'm like saying with this it's like how you can know someone that like they might have been abusive in the past but you'll stick by them because you're hoping for them to change even though they might not be changing or something yeah all right that is uh that's me (laughs) working on my book i'm just i'm struggling with where to move dates around and events and stuff and how to hint at things yeah how are you doing liz with your book where you're starting fresh like this is a new idea you came up with recently what have you written so far so i've been trucking along <laughs> wait is is that the name, the name of your book <laughs> yeah just trucking along trucking along with liz Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i wrote um where my other was born and basically summarized what another is in this world that I've said before, but every millennia, this creature is born and it's not like one of the other four creatures that exists already. And so no one knows where it should end up or like where it should live for the rest of its life. So it has to go out and find a home. Mm-hmm. So I explained that my other was born and that they, as I call like children in my book, younglings. And as a youngling, it lived in this I've called it a nursery so far, but I don't know if that's going to be confusing for people because it's not a nursery as in like babies. It's a nursery as in plants. And uh, the nursery is basically a place where Gordish, who are my creatures (laughs) that throughout their lives, they have extremely short lives and their head swells up and then it explodes and a creature comes out and that's how creatures in this place are born. Also, when it explodes, a bunch of seeds come out and that's how they make more Gordish so it's just a never-ending cycle. But in the nursery live Gordish who are old and rotting because they never had, they never, like, gave birth to a creature. Nope, mm. I don't like that. Nope, it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, so they're old and rotting and just losing their mind and control of everything and their faculties. And my other grew up there, and throughout its life, Gordish don't give each other names. They just call everyone Gordish. They have no name and no gender. They're mm-hmm. just all, they all are, like, part of one being. They're just Gordish. And So they're a hive mind. <laughs> yeah actually no hive mind has like a linked intelligence this is more like a collective like they they don't have a individual will yeah they just consider themselves the gordish and they they live to create other creatures Mm -hmm. but my other gives names to gordish that it connects with and so Mm. as it's growing up it names this one gordish nutmeg and that's (laughs) the gordish that's closest with it and nutmeg actually calls it a name too since it's not a gordish it's just an other and they end up calling it uh louis mm-hmm. and so what a name for a monster <laughs> <laughs> yep and so louis is just growing up in this place and eventually nutmeg explodes and dies and by that time louis pretty much almost an adult and so it decides or basically the other gordish in town tell it that it needs to start moving on and finding where its home is. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you should go search for this guy named Tongsworth, who's a feeder. And he lives in a place called Rusted Stump. And uh, he basically can take you to the town of, or the city of Salo, which is the feeder's main city. 
Mm. And so uh, Louis starts traveling towards Rusted Stump, and I give some details, like there's creatures walking by. Although in this land, whenever like animals and insects and stuff are called critters... <laughs> <laughs> to differentiate from the creatures mm -hmm. and so it's walking by different types of critters like there's tarantulas which are giant tarantulas that gorgeous ride on top of and batterlings which are bats and eventually it makes its louis makes its way to rusted stump and there uh they meet a gorgeous and like gets invited inside for a meal and has dinner and they explain that they're the other that's been born this millennia. And then the Gordish gets excited and asks Louis to... He wears a cloak everywhere he goes because his face is just so terrifying to other people. Mm -hmm. And so the Gordish asks Louis to take down his hood, and he does. And then the Gordish like, immediately stops speaking and just loses his mind. Oh, and, boy. Uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's Louis like a, a Medusa, there. but insanity instead of stone. <laughs> yeah, and so Louis leaves there and finds Tongsworth eventually, and they're trying to help out this Gordish who is stumped. And stumped is when a Gordish decides that it doesn't want to have the creature inside of it. You are you have so many terms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wonder if it's too much. No, it's like, welcome to writing fantasy, where you're like, I have a specific word for what this is. <laughs> yep. But so it's just trying to reject having the creature inside of it because it feels like it didn't live long enough. Uh, I don't know. And then they solve that, and then they take the creature that was born, actually, eventually, and it's another feeder, and they take, named Isabella, and so the three of them start traveling towards Salo. And on the way there, that's when Tongsworth basically explains that there was this whole plague time that happened in Salo and a bunch of feeders, basically only feeders, not really any other creatures, ended up dying off from this horrible plague that... <laughs> I forget what I called it. It makes you... At first it started out as a cough and then people would start to cough up blood and then eventually they were vomiting. It's like the dark, grim glop. <laughs> and it turned out, and it turned out that the dark grim glop is really their liquefied insides. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> still got the strength to cough that up, though. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, basically, half the feeder's population was wiped out. Mm. And uh, it's kind of interesting. I feel like maybe it's because I don't read a lot of vampire stories, but like vampires being wiped out due to a plague is a kind of like novel idea. Yep. But so now, where I just stopped writing is basically Tongsworth is getting into how they uh, built a wall. They, they like turned to a radicalized group and built a wall around their city to keep themselves safe. This is the feeders you're talking about, right? Yep. Man, this is, <laughs> this is now I'm getting to like the point where th this podcast is biting us in our ass because like I kind of just want to read this book. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Save the rest of it. I'll I'll read it. Like I I want to see how you portray it because I feel like learning about the the liquefied insides is a really like uh, like that's a cool moment. Yeah, yeah. That's why I don't know how much detail I should go into with these. Yeah. Maybe for future ones, you could be, like, very... It, it's tough because it's, like, the small details are the the really cool part. But at the same time, I'm like, maybe you could just, like, go into, like, a broad overview. Like, hey, we start here, and they move over here. Like, mentioning, like, st I don't know, because that was a story-sensitive uh, bit. Yeah. 
I don't know, but that's that's all I've written so far. That sounds pretty neat. Uh, <laughs> so the uh, the Gordish, how often is there a something inside of one? Every Only time? at once every, or wait, what do you mean? Like, like how often like, is there a, a creature? A, a, yeah, any of the creatures. Uh, I mean, a creature is always born from a Gordish. Unless you're one of those messed up ones that doesn't have any inside of it? Yeah, the stumped, yeah. Or it's critters. Those are also from the gordish so do the gordish oh. have like when they explode do they explode into like seeds that make these creatures or like how because no. it can't just it can't just be a one for one because otherwise no, like that, the there, life would be wiped out there might be a lot of gordish maybe that's what the solution is yeah there's a creature or a critter that comes out and the seeds <laughs> there's a bunch of seeds that come out and the gordish basically take the handful of seeds and they have to plant the seeds and eventually, and then a, like a gordish birth is called being harvested. Mm-hmm. So eventually, they just come out of the soil fully grown. Okay, so a creature comes out and then it makes more gordish. Yeah, but okay. for like every one creature that comes out, you're getting like like twelve gordish, right? Fifteen. Yeah. Yep. Are Are you just thinking of a potential future, Ian, where the gordish rise up and fight everyone else? I'm just saying, that's, enslave that's them. A, we are your creators. They're really outnumbering everything else. Yeah, but they also die exponentially. So, yeah, they probably have, like, short life cycles. Yeah, that was the... But, but for the, every one that dies, 15 come out. <laughs> they don't always... I actually touched on that a bit, too, because, well, Tongsworth was there. He was trying to help them, like, up their harvesting rates because they don't always... All the seeds that are planted don't always turn into mm, a gourd. Yeah, sprout. Yeah. Can the other creatures procreate alone or no? No. Okay their only way and this uh, is their only way <laughs> this is the only life they've known how, how close are you to going to one of the other lands i'm right there they're they're like right outside the gates of solo yeah okay. she's right before the finish line yep and by the finish line you mean the next part of her book right <laughs> well my short-term goal have you been having fun trying to like write like tongues worth different from the Gordish, different from the other. Yeah, because the well, the Gordish are the funnest, right? I wish I didn't leave. <laughs> they they talk really oddly. Yeah, <laughs> that's always fun to write. I enjoy. It. I wish I could find real quick like something that they say. Like they say "ho" all the time when they greet someone. They're always like "ho ho," <laughs> and then like their sign in town says "tune the rusted stump." <laughs> Just nonsense. I love it. <laughs> and then Tongsworth, for some reason, I've just been imagining with an English accent. <laughs> so, oh boy, British so, vampires. <laughs> yeah. And then the other Louis, they just pretty much talk normally. But then I've also been making up phrases here and there, where hmm. the, like a lot of the times Gordish talk about seeds and stuff, so they'll be like, "Oh, seeds and pulp." when they're ex- like exclaiming yeah, something. Yeah, like everyone has their own like exclamations or their own adages. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah, it reminds me of like when I was doing a long day and everyone was talking about like instead of damn, they'd say rot sun. And after a while, you're like, I like this. <laughs> yeah. Just walking around all day saying rot sun in real life. All the food they eat is gross. It's all moldy or rotten. Or... Yeah, that's definitely like one of the biggest appeals of doing lore building is you can just add in so much flavor all over the place for like one section of the land. Whereas whenever you base things in reality, like it's all kind of like mundane and you have to find ways to make it exciting through the writing. Whereas like fantasy, you can just like your ideas can naturally be like exciting and interesting. And that lends well to like interesting prose. Yeah. 
Yeah, those are the those are the seasonings in the stew. I do feel <laughs> like it's hard to know where to draw the line, though. Sometimes I'm like, am I going too, too cuckoo? <laughs> yeah, like when you call an orphanage a child home. <laughs> <laughs> Who would ever yeah. do that? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> uh, it was me. <laughs> hey, real quick, what uh, creature is Louie? I missed that. She's not I spoiling said that. It yet. Okay, so yeah. but so Louis is the one that starts off being made out of the gourd. Yeah, Louis is the the other. Okay, cool. Yeah. But he's always hooded, right? Yeah. Okay. Although, and there are various times where people see his face, but uh, they don't they, make it. <laughs> yeah, they usually always have a like really crazy reaction to it. So for some reason, I pictured if this was a, a Disney movie. <laughs> When you finally see his face, he'd like look in the reflection in the water and be like, "Am I ugly?" <laughs> and he'd just sing, sing about his vis- visage and how he doesn't even like looking at it. A face like mine. Then he'd sing to the moon, and the moon's his only friend. The moon cycle. Oh, the moon cycle. So, have you been having like a, a good time writing this book? Uh, yeah, I think it's been fun. I will say that when I wrote the when I wrote the first chapter. I have to go back and add so many things. Cause I, I don't know what I was doing, but I wrote it really fast. And then I was like, wait, what am I doing? And I saw I didn't explain a ton of things. So I have mm-hmm. to go back in and add a bunch. But uh, And then since then, I feel like every time I'm writing a chapter, because I make my chapters short because that's how I like to read books. Mm-hmm. And I feel like every time I'm writing a chapter, I... And like, all right, this is what they're going to do. And then as I'm writing, I'm like, oh, I could explain this and this and this memory. Or So I feel like I'm coming up with stuff to flesh out the story a lot easier than I was like last year. That's good. Mm. Last year was a struggle. The other problem you're going to run into is as you go along, you're going to end up making up more and more of the world and you're going to have to go back to make sure the continuity is correct. Yeah, that's already a huge problem, but yeah. especially just the way that they speak. Oh, I forgot to tell you guys, too, that the funniest thing is that I wrote wrote the first chapter, and as I was writing, I called the land that they live on Frankenberry, and I I did it genuinely, and then I was like, wait a minute. You should leave it. I like it. Well, I've left it for the rest of the book, but I have to change it. There's something you know about Liz. She likes a lot of foods she had as a kid. (laughs) (laughs) So that stuff always seeds its way into, like, her writing somehow. Just change it to Booberry. It really was a subconscious as a schwoops. You should call it, like, Franken-gout or something, like, weird. (laughs) Yes, something gross. Have you considered to the point like when i was doing the long day i was getting to the point where i'm like this is actually going to require a lot more writing than i am capable of giving it for like one book because i i want to describe the world so much are you reaching a point where it's like you want to expand this world or is it still staying constrained no it's still staying constrained uh that's good yeah i i think that i'm staying at a good level where i'm fleshing out enough to hit word counts i mean not Mm -hmm. technically but I'm not going, like, I'm not adding anything crazy, like a whole nother land or anything. Okay. Did you stick to your outline or have you kind of deviated a little? No, I think I was stuck almost exactly to my outline. I mean, my outline's vague, too, so I definitely added stuff, but they are right on track for what I said would be happening. Cool. That's good. Yeah, that's really good. 
All right, so that's two of the the siblings done. Ian, what have you been working no, on with your lore? The vaguest of the siblings. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, how can I say as little as possible and make you guys <laughs> leave me alone? <laughs> you, uh, I just want to uh, say for the record, uh, Ian was pushing the most to do a nano podcast about writing, and he's the <laughs> one that wants to contribute the least. Yeah, I want to just listen to you guys talk. <laughs> So you just want us to make a podcast for you. <laughs> sure, but I want to be on it to make jokes. <laughs> it is your dream. So I started by, I was going to make up some American analogs for classic Tolkien-esque fantasy beasts. Beasts? Yeah, or like, like baddies or like animals. Like, are you like thinking orcs? the Balrog, but a Midwest miner? <laughs> Yes, or like instead of an <laughs> instead of an orc, we have like yetis or big feet, bigfoot. Okay, instead of Wait, uh, be- beasts, are are these races? Uh, a little bit of both, like it, like um, like species. Like there's these really Is cool, it... like uh, Native American inspired uh, dragons that they talk about. Mm. Which instead of being serpents, there's one that is like it's like half panther, but it's really long like a serpent. Hmm. I don't know, just stuff like that. That was cool, but not dragons. And so yeah. I, did, I was doing a bunch of those, and in order to, like, avoid any, you know, wholesale appropriation issues, <laughs> I was basically, like, looking at a bunch of Native American stuff and being like, that's interesting. What could I do with that? And then I've been very slowly making up my own thing, mm-hmm. kind of based on that. It's been really slow, and I got, like, a third of the way, no, not even a th- like, a quarter of the way through that, and I was like, man, I don't even know what to call these. So then I was like, you know what? I think I gotta make up my own fantasy language because everyone has their own fantasy language. Everyone. I mean, well, a lot of people do, and I'm not like a, <laughs> I'm not like a real linguist or anything. So. I like how you went from everyone to well, a lot of people do, as if that's still accurate. <laughs> I don't know. Some people. A few. There we go. Um, <laughs> a handful of authors. Me. So, so I decided to make it kind of like a basic language. That, uh, you know, like, like I, I took French or like Spanish or those ones where you have the, uh, you know, like a root verb and then you conjugate. You talked about it on the last podcast. <laughs> Did I? Yeah. Uh, Hebrew and... Arabic. Arabic. Oh yeah, I did all this and stuff before. Okay, so I did all th- <laughs> I did all that, and um, I started like I'm making up a bunch of names. Like, man, these names are great. And, and then I went to like create them, and I was like having trouble. I'm like, well, I don't even know what has gone on in the world to inform how I'm going to like. You're like, oh, like should it be fire? Like, what if fire is not even like a big thing in my world? I can't make it a fire giant, you know. Because yeah. that doesn't really fit. What do you mean by big thing in my world? I mean, you know, like like Liz, she has a bunch of spooky stuff. So if she started making up a, a bunch of fantasy things and they were all, you know, like, oh, I'm going to make them all candy cane based. And then she gets to her spooky town and that doesn't have anything to do with the subject of her book. But doesn't your world like recreate your worlds recreate themselves multiple times are you trying to write for like one world right now trying to write for one world but also a lot of these because again like tolkien stuff has been used so often and it's so iconic i want to have like iconic things that can show up continually throughout time with like Mm -hmm. slight variations so think like oh maybe in one of the previous times there were orcs but then in this 
com- in this current world that my book takes place in, there's Urukai. So mm-hmm. instead of Bigfoot, it's Mrs. Bigfoot? Or like <laughs> Yetis, or like what if it's... Uh... <laughs> Who's she married to, Liz? <laughs> <laughs> in a previous life, I know I had a hobby. <laughs> I believe his name was Mr. Bigfoot. <laughs> So I was like, I was like, all right. So I, I got to figure out what I'm doing. So I, I went off and I did a little bunch of magic stuff because which I told you was dimensional based. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. And, I, and I've written. Sorry, out, say wait, it again. You went off and you did magic stuff that was what? It's dimensional based. Have I not mentioned that on the cast? So you have not described this on the podcast. You have tried to talk to us about it, but oh, it's, no. it sounds like a very complicated system. It is, and I've only like scratched the surface. So basically, it's gonna. Oh, like you're bouncing around oh i am like you make up a couple fake words and then you make up some creatures (laughs) i'm just trying to i'm trying to make up a bunch of stuff till it all clicks and i'm like yes this is this is bigfoot and then ian's like now she can now she has dimension magic yeah and then i send that to tolkien's estate and i'm like eat that tolkien Sabba wubba, Mrs. Yeti. Explain your magic system. Explain yourself. (laughs) Wow, okay. It's it's super not set in stone, because as we've talked about off the cast, uh, any sort of, like, magic or power system is really interesting when it has hard limits to what you're able to do with it. And it's not Mm -hmm. just the... The Gandalf magic, which, or like, you know, it comes out of nowhere. Harry Potter, like, you can just say the same spell a million times. Yeah, there needs to be, like, a drawback. And the more powerful something is, the more of a cost it has to have. Right. And so I haven't quite gotten around to the costs. So the magic system that I had already developed, which I'm trying to work into this world as best as I can, is it's dimensional-based. And so there's three dimensions three spatial dimensions, and then there's three time dimensions. Mm-hmm. And so the first dimensions of both are the furthest that you can do things, but you can't interact with anything. So if you think about, like, a one-dimensional plane is just a line, correct? Mm-hmm. And so if you existed on a one-dimensional plane on a line, you could see everything behind you and in front of you, but that's it. You could only just look and move along a plane. Mm-hmm. And so that that's the first power. The first power is just going to be basically looking along a plane of existence. Wait, did you mention that you can move along that plane? I don't think I'm going to have them move. Okay. I mean, theoretically you could, but I don't want them to. I want them to be like this. This is going to be like the people who have this power are going to be basically oracles. But they're only okay. oracles for seeing where in time something is, not when. Okay, even though, but what about the one dimension for time? So the one dimension for time would be you could see when something is. Oh, yeah, but not where. Yes. Okay. And so then the second dimension for... Because uh, I was just thinking, it's like, oh, you can do stuff where it's like people are like, the apocalypse will come in one day, but they don't know where it's well, going to occur. <laughs> and then I, I, I've since thought that what I want to do is I want basically all of these powers are supposed to be gifts given to the good guys, but over time, some of them have been stolen back by the bad guys. So maybe, like, again, like, the bad guys know when the world's going to end, but not where or how. And Mm. the good guys know what's going to happen, just not when. Yeah, like, where the apocalypse takes place. Yeah. And so then it's, like, kind of too... too That is, like, a... That is almost, like, a biblical thing, like, that the tell in Israel, I think, 
that's where we get the it's the name Armageddon from is Megiddo. It's like this this place in Israel that that's where the apocalypse like that's where the fight where Jesus fights the devil is supposed to take place, but we don't know when. <laughs> no, oh. Jesus fights the devil. I think don't quote me on that. <laughs> the thing is like it's like the the horseman of white light fights the devil and it's like what is who is that oh, horseman yeah. that Gandalf. kind of a thing. It's it's Donald Trump. You're, you're confused. <laughs> let's not. Let's not. <laughs> what about the second and third dimension? So the second spatial dimension allows you to basically traverse the world along a 2D plane. Mm-hmm. And so that lets you slip, you know, behind things, through things, around things, in between things. So by 2D plane, do you mean that you have to stay at the same, like, height level? Yes. It's like... or. It, you can so you can just move like on a like on an axis axis, but that's it. It's just a single. Okay. So space lets you like teleport. Then what would time let you do? Can you go back and forth in time? This is where it gets a little weird. So the time. <laughs> so the constant for space is that you can't like be negative space. You know, like you you can't like, go I, into negative space, or you can't like go into like the wall. Like like you can't occupy negative space. Okay. And so for the time, I have to have the the time is always a constant, so it's always moving forward. So you can never go back. You can look okay. back, but you cannot go back. Okay. So just like if there was negative space, you can like look into a black hole, but you cannot be in a black hole. You know what I mean? Like you can't. Like you can see the nothingness of the void, but you cannot exist in it. Okay. Okay, so you cannot move back in time. And so for space, for the second dimension... Oh boy! Hold on, I gotta, I gotta read. Dual worlds, personhood, <laughs> trinity. Oh God! I, I wrote, I wrote my thing very cryptically. I don't even know what it means. <laughs> if you want, we can save for when you figure things Sorry, out later. For the for the second dimension, all I have written is in the year three hundred three hundred seventy thousand eight hundred ten. The gift of dual worlds is given. I don't know what that means. You're, I like how you're cryptic even to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't let Ian know. <laughs> can't let Ian know what Ian knows. Honestly, no, I, I do get really confused and I have to go back and One of the, the questions notes. I wanted to ask is, does it get, do you feel like it's aggravating that you have to spend so much time lore building and like, like if people ask you, it's like, hey, what are you doing? Or what's your book about? Do you ever feel like it's maddening that you can't be like, it's about a hero going and doing this. Instead, you're like, listen, there's there's gods. There's there's like a, a struggle between the devil and heroes. And well, there's there's different time dimensions. And it's only maddening right now because I don't have the actual story written that is going to be told in a book. Because the story that's told in the book is essentially going to be good guys have to face a bad guy to save everything. Yeah. yeah. A, a classic story. <laughs> right. But I, but this is the stuff. I really like writing this stuff. So I'm not like frustrated oh, making okay. this stuff up. I mean, it's it's hard, but these are like, this is problem solving 101, which I really get off on. So for me, I, I really like doing um, like having a concrete story that I want to tell and then fleshing it out around it. Like when I came up with whatever like the the constellation system magic that I was doing, the main story I want to tell around that is the assassination of a king in a city, mm-hmm. and that's what I center myself on, and then I build up everything around it. And it sounds I could be wrong, but it sounds more like you're just like I have a a heroic story I want to tell, but I need to work out the mechanics first. Right, and and the heroic story is my center. It's just now instead of 
writing the story and then making up the tools that I need as I go along. I'm trying to have almost every tool ready. So it's like I'm playing with Legos then instead of making a painting. Mm. Like I have all these like disparate things that I can play with and set here and there and wherever I need to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I haven't even gotten into what I actually wrote. (laughs) Okay. Okay, because all that was maybe like 600 words. So the other like 7,000 were all, I started writing the history that nobody is ever going to know about in this world as far as the book is concerned, which sounds like it's a big waste of time. And I guess for the most part, it kind of is. But I found out a lot of good stuff while I was writing it. Like, oh, this is what I can use for this. This is what I can use for that. Mm -hmm. And for clarification, this is the, the Americana world, right? Yes. And you don't know if this is going to be your first book or not, right? In this world? Or just my first Whatever, book? Whatever the first book of this whole series is going to be. This book I'm writing, I plan to never publish. This is for me. No, I'm saying the, the Americana book. The book that takes place in it. Because technically, because you have an idea. I, you I feel like, you I feel like I'm does. bobbing and weaving right now and you're throwing <laughs> yeah. punches. I don't you know. You have an idea for like a barbarian world. And this, would it be this Americana world or would it be a different timeline? Yes, this barbarian world is the fourth era in this story. In this Americana world? No, the, the Americana world will be maybe the sixth or seventh era. Okay. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and every t- so basically everything you're, you've written so far is just for whatever book's going to be pl- take place in this Americana world. No, this is going to be for everything. Yeah, for all his books that he's going to publish. Okay. And they're going to they're going to reappear in different ways through the other books? Yes, and in some this stuff is going to be so in the background it's not really going to influence it at all. Okay. But it'll still have like hints and stuff in there. Like in my uh, my kids book series. Okay, can you share anything with us? Yes, so it starts off with nothing, and this thing shows up, and this thing basically creates everything. Like, I, I think I showed you this, guys this last time, like, through observation. Yes. Yeah. And it's the so, God that observes the universe to create it. Right, and so I explain all this, and I say, you know, I explain what everything was like, and then when everything got formed. And then I have this huge section in what I've written where I said, now we enter into what the oldest of anything that anyone will ever know. And the only person who knows it is the first creation, which I named Du, D-U. Mm-hmm. And then Du lives for like countless eras. Du is all alone. And actually, this, is, this was a huge problem that I had because these are like cosmic beings. So they should have no pronouns. But I, mm-hmm. I kept, like, I really good. I'm like, it, they, you know. And then yeah. every now and a while, I'd slip back into, like, well, you know, this is what he says. And I'm like, oh, no, it's not he. <laughs> yeah. And so, so Dew's doing all of his thing. Oh, it's thing. Yeah. <laughs> ah. And Dew's just tooling around with this artifact that created the universe. And because this is technically all existing on a a single line going in a single direction in time it's basically all one dimensional so i've kind of written the character is one dimensional mm-hmm. so they don't speak they barely think and they just kind of like enjoy living and existing and just like getting sensations and never really thinking about what they're doing mm-hmm. and then as the monolith creates the second what is what is the monolith that's your god that observes the universe yes and i'd never really describe what the monolith is because basically right right now the monolith creates the second person and the monolith essentially dies that's it oh so it's very mysterious yeah and i'm not i'm not gonna write that's it it just shows up it does its stuff and it's gone okay 
And so then... Th- it, does it die or does it disappear? I never explained it. It's never going to be explained. And so in in the wake of where it used to be, because like, as the monolith has been going around, it's been having like this like this tempest of like cosmic energy just constantly flowing around it. And so mm-hmm. dew has been kind of chasing this monolith around just emptiness because it's so attracted by what essentially is, for lack of a better term, it's like pure love. Mm-hmm. And that's like this like you know the weird cosmic energy is love. It's kind of hippy dippy, mm-hmm. and so then after it's gone, there's just like this like vague sense of where the love used to be, and so Dew goes to check it out, and then there is an other, and so this is where I start Dew. You know, he Dew can only speak about itself as one, like you know, while Dew is one, what is you know this and stuff, mm-hmm. and then Dew starts finally starts speaking to it. So I also forgot to mention. So when the monolith disappears, time and space expands by one dimension because now that mm-hmm. there are two things that can actually look at each other that introduces multiple timelines because you have multiple things interacting on one timeline and also moving in you know separate space so essentially like i guess i'm proposing that two individuals cannot exist in one dimensional space or, or one dimensional time and so like crack kapow everything expands do goes to check it out and then do starts thinking a lot clearer and actually starts to speak when do gets there and finds the other one and so do starts basically being like like well you took where, where is mo which mo is for the monolith mm-hmm. and do's like mo is here where is mo and then the the other which <laughs> i he, love this style <laughs> <laughs> no, this is it is essentially like ch- child's dialogue. And then yeah. And then when Dew gets there, he's Dew's like, "Where's Mo?" and the other, he keeps calling it the other. The other, the other was lying. The the other lies to me. And the other does not know what's going on cuz the other just, you know, got created. It just got here. It's a newborn. Yeah, and so immediately Dew starts like freaking out cuz Dew's like, "It's been forever." I've been chasing around Mo forever, and it was great. And Mo loved me. Mo was mine, and you took Mo away. I hate you. Mm-hmm. And then you know, they're just freaking out. So he's and so he, because the thing is, eventually they are going to be gendered, and it's going to be a he and a she. You know, very mm-hmm. cosmic. But yeah. it gets super mad, and it goes, "Listen, this this is now Mo's grave that you, that you're in, and and you know what? You're going to stay in the grave, and the rest of everything, that's all mine." Because at this point, there's no, like, limit to anything. Does the grave, like, um, exhibit the cosmic love that Dew wants? Or, so like, wouldn't Dew want to be in the grave instead of Mo? <laughs> I mean, not Mo, Other. Other. So, Dew was chasing around Mo for all time. And what happened was, is basically, Mo was creating a wake behind it. And Dew mm-hmm. was spending its time rearranging that out of chaos and into order. Mm-hmm. And so now at, at this gravesite is the last chaos in the universe. And he's like, mm-hmm. and Dew can't handle this. And Dew's like, listen, this all feels wrong. This is wrong. Mo should be here. Everything's all out of whack here. You're going to mm-hmm. stay here and you're going to th- basically think about what you did. Because mm-hmm. that, that's, instead of it being a loss, Dew is changing this into a punishment. Like, well, you, now you have to basically sleep in the corpse of my mother that you just killed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then think about what you did. And then... <laughs> And then finally, the the other person recognizes that uh, they are called V. And V goes, all right, I guess I'm staying here. And Dew goes, listen, the rest of everything in existence is mine. You stay right here, which is an indeterminate amount of space, mm-hmm. in, which is called the grave, which used to be called the, uh, the nest, because that's kind of where 
Mo would just sit doing its spinny thing. Anyway. <laughs> so so the, the end of the first part is, is Dewey goes, stay here and think of what you did in the grave. I'm going off. And so then the next part starts, and it's just Dewey's been tooling around for a countless amount of years. <laughs> just just be like, God, God, I love my void. Isn't my void the best? <laughs> Yeah, and then and then Dew keeps like kind of looking back towards him, and be like, "Man, I wonder what that V's doing. Probably learning its lesson." <laughs> <laughs> and, it's, and it's just kind. Of, and then so it eventually it's just spiraling closer and closer to the grave till its last like whatever you know epochs it's existed. It's just been spinning just around the outside of the grave, just making sure that it's staying yeah, where it's supposed to be on the event horizon. <laughs> right, and because now it's like all that this this creature has for its existence is just to make sure this other thing is doing exactly what it said. Mm-hmm. And so then as it's tooling around and it starts to like kind of get a little self-reflective, bam, time time and space cracks again and it becomes three dimensions. And so mm-hmm. then immediately the first thing that do goes is he goes, well, what just happened? And also has to like kind of adjust to existing in three-dimensional space. Mm-hmm. And so do has to like basically get its form back together and then it goes zipping off towards what is now the you know the 3d center of where the the grave was and then when do gets there do finds v is there and v has like completely changed v has like skin that has a shell and then whenever it moves its shell cracks and then when it stops moving it reforms and whenever it's moving and it cracks open like prismatic light is shining out mm-hmm. and so do gets there and do's like what are you doing because <laughs> dude, dude's like i thought i told you stay here don't do anything don't mess with me you made and, a whole dimension yeah and, and now and now because it's three again three dimensions do is far more like do is actually having an internal monologue when he's thinking like as he's flying towards it being like oh man i'm gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna tell them off and so when Dew gets yeah. there, Dew's basically like, like, first, you messed up space and stuff, and then you killed my mother. Now you messed up and stuff again, and now, like, I'm feeling all this stuff, and I'm floating everywhere. Like, what are you doing? And so then, like, they have, like, a conversation and a conflict. And then Dew, because, again, they're, like, cosmic entities, Dew starts sensing the fact that V is not actually one, but V is two. And then Dew's like, what are you, how are you doing this? Like, no, there's only been me and you forever, and all of a sudden you're two? Like, what are you doing? And V goes, well, that's my gift. I was given a gift. And Dew goes, by who? And V goes, well, by air. And Dew goes, first of all, there's no air. There's, there is only Mo. There is only Mo, and you killed Mo. Remember? You're in Mo's grave. And so V goes, you know, basically think what you want, but I was given a gift and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sharing my gift with the world. And so eventually what the whole theme is, is going to be, is the gift is basically going to be like procreation, but like not like basic procreation, more like the idea that you're giving your essence into another who's going to pass it along, you know? Kind of like, like, mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like a passing down of soul <laughs> or like cosmic energy like you know like when when a lady gets pregnant she has to eat more food and all this stuff because she's physically putting energy into the baby and then as the baby grows up that she's putting like knowledge and all this stuff into the baby helping the baby Mm -hmm. grow and so that that's what v's gift is v's gift is v has the ability to do that to divide to procreate to progenate whatever Okay. Does Dew have a gift? Dew does not. And so Dew's basically like, 
no. Yeah, and so dude's like, a gift? And then dude's like, dude's like, dude's like, your gift ain't nothing. I got all this space. I got, look at my emptiness. Isn't it great? I love my void. And then V's like, that's fine, but just like back off a little bit. And then dude starts like getting up in <laughs> V's face. And also like, so V kind of like, like I can't, I, it's written a lot better than this, trust me. <laughs> but V basically stands up and adopts a humanoid form, and which is more like tendrils, but like kind of vaguely humanoid, and has mm-hmm. a which you're gonna like this has a spiral. A I looked mm-hmm. it up the uh, the Fibonacci sequence. It's a Fibonacci mm-hmm. spiral on the basically just the torso of V, and it's just little eggs, little and mm-hmm. within each one of them is just like. This like swirling tempest. Um, I guess you could call them galaxies, but I don't really want them to be galaxies though. They just look like them. Okay. And then so Dew freaks out because Dew's <laughs> like, "Whoa, you are not just two. You have like you're, you're you, and then you've divided your essence into all these other things." And so then Dew's <laughs> like, "Oh man, I wish I could remember." I exactly. like Dew. I vote Dew character oh. of the year. <laughs> Dude, dude's, dude's the only character so far, and dude's like, he's always like, oh man, everyone's picking so? on me. <laughs> Look at my nothing. No, and 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 I, it, as it goes along, dude gets more and more like, I am the the great, the great and only one, do and stuff, and, <laughs> and dude keeps calling V the other, the usurper, the murderer, and all this stuff for our V, and so then. The, do attacks V, and then come to find out they did fight before, and they just had like a mingling of consciousnesses because they were just on a two-dimensional plane. But they fight now, and Do kills forty-four of V's little children babies, and so V the spiral galaxy. Things? Yeah, yeah, just like slices it right down the middle, and so okay. then V reaches into Do and tears out a significant chunk of Do's essence, and mm-hmm. and so. Because V has been like prismatic and like very rainbow looking, Dew has mm-hmm. been very cold and metallic. And immediately when V rips out the chunk, like all this, like all these sparks and this, he immediately rusts over as like a scar. And so they kind of part ways, and V has now taken asserted dominance and been like, "Listen, like you've you've exiled me here. Stay out of my land. And if you come back, I'm gonna kill you, mm. basically to protect my young." And then Dew doesn't say anything, and Dew heads off. And so I have defeated. (laughs) And then I have the next two parts basically short storied. Okay. Because the next part sets up a bunch of again like the children of gods all fighting and stuff like that. And then where all all those chips lie, the fourth part is going to be what should have been that one nano that I was going to write with the grim dark barbarian story. Mm -hmm. And that's going to basically the time that sets up the time that my book is actually going to take in take place. Okay. And when we keep talking about your book, are you saying the first book that you're going to actually publish in the series? Uh, I guess. Well, it'll be, the one I'm talking about is the primary series in this fantasy, like, okay. world that I'm creating. The one that's actually going to bring some resolution to I, all of this. I feel this. like you need, oh, like, okay. to, to categorize this stuff by names, so that way we don't just keep saying, is it the first book you're writing or the Americana book? Like, it's like, I have a series based in the Americana one. And then I, yeah, I have this series. My big series is going to be the Americana one. And then the only other one I have is going to be one in an earlier age, which is going to be my kid's book, which is going to be okay. the, the funny one. All right. I understand now. 
And so, do we expect Do to be like the ultimate character in the background? That, yes. Okay. That is trying to do stuff, but we don't quite know what. Right. And so, Do's motivations are going to, like, again, I'm clearly setting what his motivations are. Like, Do is super mad that V killed Mo. Do mm-hmm. is, like, kind of cold. Do likes order, all this other stuff. So, I, I'm setting, I'm getting his stuff really set in stone. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then V V's gonna be dead, but it's gonna be like one of those ones where like V lives on through V's children. V's children. And I'm gonna have like a division where anything do creates are gonna be all my monsters, which are basically soulless monsters. Mm-hmm. And then the ones that actually have the cosmic energy to create within them are going to be all of the like the children of V. Mm-hmm. So that means that like men will be the children of V. Yes. Well, I mean not men, but like you know any sort of races that have souls, I guess. You okay. Say. Yeah. Anything that can procreate, I guess. Yeah, it can pass yes. on essence. Yes. Okay. Poor dude. Oh, it's a very sympathetic thing. Which is uh, this is a trope where you you make the big bad far more sympathetic than any of your heroes or like has a better character arc yeah 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 just wanted the bow but what i <laughs> but what i kind of want is i almost want do's arc to be so far gone that all do is doing in my main americana fantasy series is do's just like at the end just like i'm done with this i just I wanna king kill. butthole yeah i want to kill everything like that's it <laughs> and i'm like they're like why he's like i could just explain but i'm not gonna you're just it's a long yeah, tired story. Yeah. Maybe you'll have a long day problem where people are like, I don't find this sympathetic at all. Or Tal's like, I don't want to explain anything. I just want to conquer the, the land, the world. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I, I got to do my other parts. And then once I do that, you can see why now why I stopped doing the uh, creatures. Because once I have all this stuff set up. Yeah, yeah you, you can, can you can decide creating. what to, yeah. What creatures to make out of this? Like you'll you'll find this cool. D. I I uh, I decided that that like metallic chunk that V ripped out of Dew. That's mm-hmm. gonna be what like all like the 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 really cool weapons are made of. It's like, uh. Yeah, it's like super huge chunk of metal. Ooh. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. All right, so we have one more thing left to talk about, and this is what our short term goals are for the next week that we want to hit by the time that it's like the fourteenth which is halfway through the month. And for me, I want to finish December and, like, January. My main thing is I want to hash out more of Natalie talking with Hayden because it's it's really weird that a third of my book or more is that it's them not interacting, and then you know, the latter half of the book is them interacting a lot, and I want to get into how their dynamic plays out. Yeah, start ramping up to it. Yeah, that is my goal. Uh, my goal is to get through everything that happens at the city of Sallow and then have them moving on to the next city. Okay, so you want to go into land number two, or yep. three, I guess. <laughs> yeah. My, uh, my goal is to hopefully have a bunch of this prehistory stuff done, and I- I'm quickly realizing with as long as it's taking me to make all this stuff up is that nano's not looking great but like actually <laughs> but but actually getting this stuff written is yeah okay and so even though this was like like a really hard seven thousand words it was like i really needed to get this out because it's been like festering in me for years yeah do you think this is more valuable than when you wrote the spooky wagon ride Yes, absolutely. Although I okay. think the spooky, spooky Wagon ride would still be a really cool story. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, again, I, I'm not into stuff that 
are is actual stories I want to write yet. So it's kind of hard. Okay. Kind of hard to judge, maybe a little bit. All right, cool. So we have our plans, and it seems like despite. Or maybe not despite maybe this will turn out being a better nano i'm still like i'm still in doom and gloom mode but we'll see surprisingly since you it's just so many things to think about <laughs> <laughs> so many dimensions you always tell win. me about it <laughs> there's, six, there's six of them yeah i mean i feel like if comparing this to our last uh, first episode we're definitely doing a better <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's true you guys are already like halfway to what you wrote before or over that so it's i think it's... i'm over it. let me look i want to see if i am over it the the last things i've written on this one page is v blood do metal <laughs> i thought v's like prism <laughs> like glass or something. when they were attacking each other v's like had prismatic uh f- sizzling blood that was shooting out oh. but there was like it was like dividing into the actual primary colors as it came out hmm. yeah i'm 400 words away from writing all of what i wrote last year yeah <laughs> <Wow>. see so. <laughs> all right I, oh, I think i'm only like four thousand away from passing last year too this yep. time we can chant tome, tome. <laughs> <laughs> or much or much more shallow tomb yeah <laughs> realistically <laughs> maybe we'll be dug up by a dog we hope you enjoyed this, and let's scream what we always scream. Forest. Oh, I did wire in forest. Haugen, maunen, og alpha der heiter.